God is good, isn't he? Come on, it's not just Christianese. He is good, isn't he? And God has a plan and a purpose for us. Who believes that? Last night, I was uh, just going over my notes, and I... And I want to pinpoint, I had, you know, some, some, some different thoughts that sometimes it can be too much. And so I said, ask the Lord just to help focus. So what's the main points here? And so I really felt compelled to focus uh, on a portion of some of the things that he's been speaking about recently. And I've been talking about time being short and hurrying. Who's, who's been with us for those sermons or has heard it on the podcast, you can go and listen. That's for the last two weeks. We're talking about the urgency of the hour that the Lord, you know, it's all in his word. I mean, Paul thought that Jesus was returning again and told us to be ready. Even Jesus himself said to be ready. And it's been 2,000 years. So instead of becoming skeptical of being ready, saying, well, it's been 2,000 years, and just the opposite, we should say, well, if it's already been 2,000 years, then he must be much closer today than he was 2,000 years ago. Isn't that a lot common sense, easy logic? Well, so I, I was just spending time with the Lord, and I really felt to focus on manna. Who's aware of what manna is? Anybody know what manna is? We're going to talk about some manna today. So, I put some, you know, put it all together, and I said, okay, Lord, you know, that's that, and, and, and I'm going to go to sleep, and, uh, and I had thought, man, it'd be nice to do communion, too, talking about manna, <laughs> and so that was it. I went to bed, and then this morning, uh, as we were getting ready to come here, uh, my father-in-law calls and says, hey, what do you guys think about doing communion today? And I said, whatever we need to do, make it happen. We found a box. We had some prepackaged cups that you guys got on your way in, so we have those. And so I said, wow, Lord. I mean, it's amazing. And what I did not know, and I love this, is that today is Communion Sunday. And so I, I uh, had a word from the Lord speaking about what manna really was. We're going to talk about what manna was and what its symbolism is, because now we are post the cross, post Christ's resurrection. So manna for us is something different than it was for them, but nonetheless, it's still very real. Amen. So I just want to start here. Let's look in the Bible where manna started and what manna is. Let's look in the book of Exodus chapter 16. And if you have your Bible, you can turn or you can look to the screen. Exodus chapter 16, verse 11 says... Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints, and what was happening is that they, they had come out, the Lord had freed them miraculously from Egypt, and he had done so many miracles, it's hard to imagine that they would complain right now. At the same time, they were just as human as we are. Who's had God do a miracle or two in your life? And who finds that the next time you go through a crisis, somehow you find a way to forget what God has done in your life, and we find a way to complain to God again. So before we judge them, let's put ourselves in their shoes, and we are all like the rest of us human beings. So I'm looking at their miracles saying, wow, I mean, you literally split the Red Sea apart. You know, all the plagues that happened to Egypt, but kept them separate there in Goshen. And here they are, but the Lord is faithful. He's merciful. He's filled with grace. 
And he says, so I've heard their complaints, and instead of killing them, tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. It says in verse 13, that evening vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp, and the next morning the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. And the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. I want to read that out loud. Let's just read this together. It is the food the Lord has given you us to eat so manna is the food the lord has given us to eat and so the bible continues and says verse 16 these are the lord's instructions each household should gather as much as it needs pick up two quarts for each person in your tent so the people of israel did as they were told and some gathered a lot and some only a little but when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. And those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who had gathered only a little had enough. And each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, verse 19, Do not keep any of it until morning, but some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. And after this, verse 21, the people gathered the food morning by morning. I want you to say that out loud. That the key was with the original manna was that the Lord didn't want you to live tomorrow on today's manna. You guys get that? The Lord didn't want us to live tomorrow on today's manna, all right? He doesn't want you to live today on yesterday's manna. And so the system that the Lord established was a morning by morning. So let's say that out loud. Morning by morning. That means every day God wanted them to stop what they were doing, recognize their hunger, and Never ever be lazy about gathering what God had for them that they had to go out and get it fresh. And if they tried to live on yesterday's revelation, that they would find that it was not there any longer, that literally, you know, the maggots means that it had... It, it's time, you know, you know what maggots are, you know what they symbolize, they just, you know, it's not that God's word dies, but it means that the process, you know, it, it's come, uh, when, when we have meat, right, we, we throw away the garbage, the, the maggots do its job of consuming it and returning it back to the earth. In other words, God's revelation was for this moment and for today, and he doesn't want us to try to hold on to it and carry it for uh, even tomorrow. So his original design was morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. And the Israelites called the food manna. It was white 
like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. Sounds like something I'd love to try. Who would love to try some original manna? Now, what I love about the Bible is some people say the Bible's not relevant. They try to make the Bible uh, segmented, right? We put this big giant divide between Old Testament and New Testament, and we say, you know, that's not for us. And yet, all the disciples were talking about, including Jesus, was about this Old Testament. And in fact, the, the New Testament was them living out the life, you know, in present tense that we get to read about. That's amazing. And there's, there's incredible nuggets in our New Testament. But they were living out the life of Christianity uh, from the revelation of Christ, bringing the Old Testament to its completion, right? So Jesus told us, he said, it's not abolished, but it's fulfilled. Who knows that term, right? It's not abolished, but it's fulfilled. So when we look at the Old Testament, what we have to be careful to do is look at it. We need to respect it just as much as word as the New Testament, but we need to look at it through the blood of Christ, and we need to look at it through the revelation of Jesus. Do you understand that? For instance, there is a law in the Old Testament that says you cannot wear linen and cotton together. Anybody here wearing two different fabrics together? Now, if you did, you are in sin today. So we know that through in the New Testament, we know that through the redemption of Christ, through the blood of Christ, that when Jesus fulfilled the law, that when he became the sacrificial lamb, that the law of the Old Testament was fulfilled. Now, was law abolished? Absolutely not. Is that, am I allowed to murder? Right? Am I allowed to lie, cheat, or steal? Of course not. So it's not that law itself, Jesus, you know, people think, well, all I have to do is believe in Jesus, and it doesn't really matter what I do. I think that's a little crazy to think that I can murder and just believe in Jesus. Now, if I've murdered, <laughs> then I repent, then of course, even the worst murder in the world, in fact, Elijah and I were talking the other day how uh, serial killers, you know, they're all broken. And it's amazing how their mind, what actually happens in their mind, they're short-circuiting, and there were broken children that grew up to be broken adults, and they do horrible things. And I was telling him how about some of these serial killers that in prison, thank God for his grace. You can't imagine. We wouldn't give them grace like that, but that the Lord actually found them there in prison, and they got saved. And we thank God for his grace and mercy. Amen. Who is grateful for the Lord's grace and mercy? That saved us. And so when we look at the Old Testament, we have to look through the lens of Christ and look through the blood of Christ. So what I love about the Word is that the Word is not irrelevant. It is present tense. It is just as relevant the day it was penned. And that the Word, uh, you know, sometimes we're trying to come up with new revelations. Like I've just prayed about a fresh, fresh revelation. I'm not talking about a new one. I'm talking about a revitalization, a refreshing. I need to be reminded, yes, Lord, you're coming soon. Yes, Lord, it's only by your blood that I have life. It's only in your strength that I can exist. I need to be refreshing. I don't want new like something different. I want new like a refreshing of what he's already done. And the Bible answers every question. The Bible actually tells us exactly why God decided to do the system that he established in Exodus of manna. It tells us in Deuteronomy 8. 
Everybody know this? It says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years? The Bible says he was humbling you. Say, I was humbled. Who's been humbled by the Lord? <laughs> Anybody here humbled? If you haven't been humbled by the Lord, I'll do an altar call at the end and you can get saved. We have to be humbled. <laughs> Dan's laughing. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> that was cold. We are humbled by the Lord, and that's a good thing, right? That's what happens. We get on our knees. We close our eyes. We lift our hands. What are we doing? I surrender. I give up. I've been humbled. The Lord humbles us. And the Bible says that we were humbled. It says when he and put this this system of manna in, in the wilderness, it says, humbling them and testing them to prove their character and to find out whether or not they would obey his commands. Verse 3 says, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Wow. Did you know that the Lord allows hunger in us. Now, I'm going to I'm going to start right here. I have some I'm going to get into some new testimony, get into some verses that are going to bring this hopefully into a full picture, but I'm going to start right here and let's bring some New Testament Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, Jesus resurrected, the Holy Spirit within us, revelation into the Old Testament because remember it's fulfilled and it's not abolished, it's fulfilled. Jesus has fulfilled this and he has brought this which was just law and just it was it was their story but now this story has become life for us amen does that make sense and so the bible says he humbled them and he humbles us and he lets us have a hunger so that then we would need to feed on the manna amen who came to Christ because you recognized a hunger? Does anybody here come to Christ because you were compelled to? You had no choice. Somebody twisted your arm and they forced you down the altar. I mean, maybe they did in one way. Maybe someone helped you there. We've all had those times. Thank God there were friends that walked down the aisle with us, right? But you came to the place where you felt that that hunger inside you would only be met by Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the Bible says that that's by design. Isn't that incredible that God was teaching them there, and he has brought that revelation all the way till now, present tense. The Bible says that we are hungry by design so that we would find manna, and be fed. It says a food previously unknown to your ancestors. He did it to teach you people do not, you may know it as man does not live by bread alone. Now what is bread? Bread is natural. Bread is of the earth. But now he's suddenly saying that we don't live by bread alone. Rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, who knows? They gathered up a physical bread. Now, God did something supernatural. Do you understand that? Something supernatural happened in the earth. God actually put 
from heavens, this supernatural dew upon the earth, and it was physical bread. And yet my Bible says here in Deuteronomy 8 that it was something greater than physical bread. Amen, wasn't it? Because he said, I was teaching you to not live by bread alone. Now, if you were a very logical person and you don't have a, the uh, is it left side of the brain, right? Right side of the brain's logical, left side's artistic and more free thinking. Is that right? Opposite. I can't remember. One side of the brain is very analytical. The other side is able to see things a little bit different than the rest of the world. And imagine God speaking to you and says, I wanted to teach you that you didn't need to live on bread. And I would, I would think the logical person might be like, but you did teach us to live on bread. And that means that the bread was more than just bread. Amen. Because God's not a liar, is he? He was teaching us a principle that was greater than the bread. And the bread is that your hunger cannot be met by going back to Egypt. Remember, that's what they did. They said, let's just go back to Egypt. We've got cucumbers there. It was so good. Remember the cucumbers? Oh, also, don't forget. Remember the, the whippings? Remember the chains? Remember the bondage? Remember how they took our firstborns and they killed them all? Remember that too? No, we don't remember that. We just remember the cucumbers. People are foolish, aren't they? Isn't it foolish not to believe in God today? It's exactly the same. It's just as relevant today as it was the day. This is, this is like a 4,000-ish year old story. It's the same exact thing. Nobody remembers the tyranny, and nobody remembers the heartache without God. I mean, we're, like, we're heading into this in the world. This is where the world wants no God. Well, that's, you know, we're going to experience what that means with no God. God's like, you don't want that. What you want is to realize that this earth will never sustain you. That your human hunger, you can meet that, and you can be filled, and you can be fat, but what you will be is in bondage to this earth. And he taught them what we need to learn and what Christ, I'm going to expound on right now, is that it says that what he was teaching us is that we must live on the word of God. Let's say that out loud. We must live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There is a greater sustenance in God, and, in, in, and even though they ate something physical in their story, when we eat of the manna, it's something greater. When we eat of the Lord, when we eat of the words of the Lord, there is something supernatural and something greater than what's happening when your natural body eats bread. Who knows? The, we, we, we know this. this is just science, okay? It's not spiritual. It's about uh, three days that you die without water, scientifically. I know people have gone further, and this is an average, and people have fasted way further. And uh, a couple weeks, I don't know, depending on the body, two to four weeks without food, according to science, right, that your body dies. But your body is only a body. I know it's such a hard revelation for us to get because it's so hard for us to realize that this is just a shell, this is just a body. 
Your spirit was alive in your mother's womb. Now, science tries to say that that's not you. You sitting here, you weren't a baby, but you were a baby suddenly at nine months. Suddenly in the hospital room, you exist, but you didn't exist before that. Now, we know from our Bible that you existed from the moment of conception because you were a spirit and you were not a body. Wow. Before you had a body, you existed. Try to wrap your head around that. And so the Bible gives us the further picture that without the body, the same spirit that God breathed into your mother's womb when you were created will continue on after this earth ceases. And the hardest revelation for us to get as human beings, because all we can know and see and feel and touch is this earth, the hardest revelation is to realize that this earth is temporary. We say it, we know we're heaven bound, we know we're waiting for Christ to return, but somehow when anything ever happens in this earth, as soon as you feel hunger, as soon as you feel sadness, as soon as you feel uh, happiness and, 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 and these human emotions and human feelings, and the first thing we do is we resort to our human strength and our human wisdom, and we, we listen for psychologists to give us answers, and we call our friends, and we listen to, and our, and we listen to our body, and you know what? All of those things, I'm not saying that you can't do some of those things. If your body's hungry, eat. If you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. But what we do uh, like, uh, like a machine is that, and, and it's like this automatic thing that happens is a fleshly thing happens, we think fleshy. But the reality is that we are spirit. You are a spirit living in a body. And your spirit is hungry just like your body is, but you don't even know it. Suddenly the revelation happens, and again, who's thankful that that revelation came? Wow, my spirit man is desperately hungry. And in fact, this is what I want to talk about today, because I'm not talking to baby believers or new believers. I'm talking to mature believers. The Bible, and if we look at the whole thing, we're talking Genesis to Revelation as one picture. Jesus in creation in Genesis, all the way to Revelation. The Bible paints a picture very clearly that we are actually supposed to have that hunger every day. That hunger in one way is satisfied by Christ. We know that he's the answer, but we should never be fully satisfied. It would be like eating a meal and saying, wow, that was a great meal. Whatever your taste is, if it's lobster and filet mignon or Taco Bell or candy, whatever that is to fulfill your taste buds, imagine you said, wow, that was a great meal and I don't need to eat again the rest of my life. That would be sad for people who like donuts. There is a hunger that was supernaturally placed within us on purpose that the world tries to fill with world. We used to call it a God-shaped hole. Remember that? It's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And you cannot fill it, but, you know, temporarily, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. You know, some people, they go back, and now they regret the sin, and they regret their life of sin, 
but they can't say that it wasn't fun during. Most people say it was fun during. And that's a lie from Satan that gives us a temporary fulfillment, just like a meal gives us a temporary fulfillment. And the revelation that Jesus is about to bring, if I can get there, is that we need to eat from him daily because our spirit man is desperately hungry for the word of God. And so the Bible, he said, it says here, just finishing in Deuteronomy, it says in verse 17, he did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Nothing I can do, nothing will satisfy, nothing that I've done, nothing that you see that my hands have done were by my own strength. That everything I am, I owe to Jesus. Everything, you know, even the person who points their finger at Jesus and curses him. The people that tear down the crosses from the churches. The people that tear the Ten Commandments out of courtrooms. The people that went to court and fought to remove prayer. The people that stood outside of churches and mocked them. Do you know that they have to use the strength that Jesus gave them to do that? How crazy is that? Talk about grace. They try to say, wow, trying to understand God. God's not a good God. You can't do anything. The breath that we have, even cursing, is on loan from God. I've heard the old joke. I think you've heard it before. It says, God's, God's having a discussion with an atheist, and the atheist says, I don't need God. I can, I can create without you. So God says, fine, go get your own dirt. Everything we have, we owe to the Lord. Everything is from him. There is a, a delusion that we don't need him. And so we get saved, we come to Christ. Now Satan can't keep us from that. But what he will try to do, what the world will do, is try to give us just enough, just enough to sustain us. You know, if you just had a sip of water and a little piece of bread, you could keep a person alive for a long, long time. Without it for a few days, they're going to die. But if you just give them just a little bit. Now, what you can't see in the spirit is that they're skin and bones, does anybody here want to be skin and bones in the spirit? I don't want to be. I want to be fed. I want to be filled. I want to have the sustenance because what happens? If you ask someone who's skin and bones because they've been depraved, right? They've been deprived of food to run a marathon. Do you think they're going to be able to do it? And you know, the Lord has a mission for all of us here. The Lord has things that we, he's asking us to do. And who feels like, Man, I can't do that. I don't feel like doing that. You know what that is? That's because we needed to eat meals ago. And then what happens is we're like, well, I'll just cram a meal down now. You know what? That's called a food coma. Who's ever done that? You haven't eaten all day. You're like, I need to eat because I need to do such and such. That doesn't work like that. I eat, by, you know, I eat at 2 o'clock because I haven't eaten yet because I've been running. Well, guess what? The rest of the day is going to be really tough. You didn't think you had energy before your meal. Now you've eaten, and now you're all sluggish. 
And so we, there's, a, there's a way that God has designed for us to be constantly in his word, to be constantly fed, to be, the Bible says, to pray without ceasing. There is a constant, just like when you're hungry, you might not wait till the next meal. If you're hungry, you grab a snack. Who loves snacks? Anybody in here a snacker? Well, does your body... Uh, <laughs> I, I see some fingers pointing at other people. If your body needs food, your spirit needs food. And so the Bible says, Jesus actually quotes this verse in Matthew chapter 4. He's being tempted by Satan. All right, he's led into three temptations. The Bible says Matthew 4, he's led by the spirit in the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and he's hungry. Everybody say Jesus was hungry. Jesus said, me is hungry. But the Bible says that, verse 3, the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Now, who thinks that Jesus was capable of doing that? Of course he was, because he's about to, Satan doesn't know it yet, but Jesus is about to feed 5,000 and then 4,000, two separate events, with uh, basically making it from nothing. I mean, he took bread and multiplied it, took fish and multiplied it, but he didn't even need that. Verse 4 says, He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Anybody know where Jesus is quoting from? We just read it. Deuteronomy 8. And Deuteronomy 8 was a review, right, of what happened with the manna. And so Jesus brings it all the way 2,000 years into the future and pushes it 2,000 years into the future for us that we have the same revelation. Satan said, if you need something, come on, I'm getting somewhere, hopefully. The world says you deserve and that's a lie from hell. The world says, you deserve to be loved. Don't you have the right to be happy? And you know what the answer to that question is? No. Wow, that's a harsh one. Now, I have incredible happiness because my happiness is on a higher level. It's called joy. It's the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, Paul had just been freshly beaten. He had just received another beating. And they find him in the prison. Someone hears a sound. What's that sound? Is that someone worshiping God? Paul's in prison worshiping God, just praising God and thanking God. Just I know whenever I say that, I always say, just like all of us would do, we would do the same thing, right? Every one of us, freshly beaten, just praise you, God. Just want to worship you. You're so good. Thank you for that. Because he had come to another level. He had come to the revelation that the human part of him was secondary. Did Paul enjoy his beating? Absolutely not. Was he actually thanking God for the physical part of it? Of course not. But what he found was that there is this 
place in God that is above the flesh, that when my flesh says I deserve to be loved, what I need to look through that fog, because that's Satan. Satan says, turn these stones into bread. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to part through his lies, and I'm going to say, I don't deserve to be loved because Jesus said, I'm going to go to my word, and I'm going to quote my word, just like Jesus does to Satan. The word says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That means that I don't deserve anything, and if I can experience love in this earth in a human way, that's great, but I certainly am going to know the love of God and, and, and have a relationship with Him that you cannot touch. And the Bible says they can kill the body. I'm paraphrasing, but they cannot kill your spirit. Jesus brought the revelation to the future, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that even if your body were malnourished and it died, that you were fed the word of God. In fact, there was a guy, there's a book, it's called The Heavenly Man. You can believe it or not, but the guy actually was so frustrated in prison, he was, he was just he had, he had been beaten, he had been put in prison unjustly for being a Christian, he was in a Chinese prison, and he ends up fasting for 80 days, no food and water, he, which, is, which is scientifically impossible, so it was a miracle. It, the story says that his, even his ears cr- rolled up because there was no sustenance left in his body. He was literally skin and bones, but the Bible, I'm sorry, the book says that he had a page of the Bible, and he, that was so precious to him, and he had this page of the Bible. Now, he had a sustenance that was greater than the physical, and even if his body were to die, and it didn't, actually, God miraculously freed him. He blinded all the guards' eyes. He walked out of that prison. There was a cab waiting for him. The door opened. He gets in the cab. The cab drops him off. At an alley, there's a bike there. He rides to the border on his bike. The guards look at the passport. Someone gives him a passport. His face is different. The guards looking at it, lets him go. And this guy was miraculously out of the country. But he had found a sustenance that was greater than the physical. Amen. In fact, the Bible says, in John chapter 4, do you remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the well? Well, they come to him, the disciples, and they say, Rabbi, you know, he just had this episode with her, and that's a whole other amazing story because he tells her exactly what I'm telling you, that if you knew what I had for you, if you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you a drink, and you would never need to be thirsty again. So they come to him, and the disciples say, Rabbi, you need to eat something, and Jesus replies this in John 4, 32. Jesus replies, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And so they say, did someone bring him natural human bread while we were gone? And then Jesus explained, my nourishment, everybody say, our nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and, and from finishing his work. David wrote in Psalm 19.10, I'm just going to go quickly here so we can be ready for our communion. 
In Psalm 19.10, David wrote, The word of God is more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. Who has found that the word of God is that powerful? And, and, and it, not only is it that powerful that we should desire it even more than... See, it's interesting that the word is considered food because, again, I can live in this earth and, uh, and, and technically uh, we could live all different levels. You know, there's all these different... You go around the whole world and there's, it's all relative, but there's relative rich and relative poor. Now, our poor here are still richer than the poorest of poor. I mean, the, in other countries, our poor are richer than the rich. Does that make sense? So it is relative. But you could live poor or rich, and, and you would still be alive. But the Bible doesn't just call it riches. It doesn't just call it something that, oh, I found it. It's worth something. But co- compares it to food and good food, food that you crave, because you cannot live without food. You can live and not be rich, but you cannot live without food. In other words, we cannot live without the Word of God. In fact, I wanted to say this, and, and the Lord really made this clear as just before uh, I was coming in here this morning. You cannot have Jesus without the Word of God. And equally, you cannot have the word of God without Jesus. A lot of people claim to know Jesus, and yet they don't know the word and don't follow the word. It's impossible. I want you to say that out loud. That's impossible. Because we don't have time, but John chapter 1, go read it on your own time. Jesus was with the Father in the beginning when the world was made. And the Bible says that we go to Genesis, God spoke and it was. So what was Jesus? Where was Jesus? It was the Word. He is the Word. God spoke through Christ. Christ is the the Word of God. And the Bible says in John 1 that that Word became flesh, that the Word became human and dwelt among us. Jesus was the Word of God. So when I read Deuteronomy, when I read uh, about the manna, and then I look fast forward into the New Testament, The Bible says that that became Jesus. And again, just for sake of time, we don't have time. There's a lot we could say here. But John chapter 6, they say to Jesus, Jesus, just show us a miracle. Do something. There was a crowd of people that surrounded him. Some believed him, and there were some skeptics that didn't quite believe Jesus. They wanted Jesus to prove himself. And they said, hey, Jesus, you know, uh, even Moses gave the people manna. And Jesus says to them, Moses didn't give the people manna. God gave them manna. In fact, he says to them, he says, this is John chapter 6. He says, verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So the real manna, all right, manna was morning by morning. We know that. You couldn't live without it, and in fact, if you tried to, to, to keep it till tomorrow, it was no good. And the Bible says here in John 6, and this is for us as believers, taking the Old and the New 
pushing them together, creating the revelation that Jesus wants us to get. He says, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 41, he says, I am that bread. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And so if we take the scriptures and we push them together, then we can get this picture that Jesus said, there is a hunger and I let you get hungry so that, yeah, the world would try to offer you fulfillment and you could look and you could perceive and you could think, you might think Egypt sounds interesting, but you would make the decision that I would rather have God in this wilderness than go back to the world and let that system give me its sustenance. I'd rather be in this place that's dry and uncomfortable. Come on, it sounds a lot like being a Christian, doesn't it? I would rather be in this place that's ostracized. I'd rather be in this place where we've been pushed out. Thank God they were pushed out. You didn't realize that yet. They didn't want to be in You don't want to be in Egypt. They've been pushed out because that's what Pharaoh finally says, get out. I mean, the Lord freedom, but the world doesn't want you. Thank God for that. Because now you're in a place, the Bible says, they were hungry and they were thirsty, but God came and met them there. Aren't you thankful that something happened in your life that was uncomfortable? You know, the church is trying to make people so comfortable in the pews so that they don't realize, I'm desperate. Try to take away any talk of sin, any talk of there's a problem out there, and then people never change. Why not? Because they've never been told that there's something wrong. And once we realize there's something wrong, then we search in this heart and we say, wow, what's the answer? When we find out it's Christ, we eat of him, the bread of life. And the Bible says we will never be hungry again. And so my word for you today is that tomorrow, don't live on this word. My word is that now that you've come to all that revelation, we have hit a time in history where you are not going to be able to live on yesterday's word. Who has found, and I've talked about this many times, but you leave church and already the world's just creeping back in. I'm not telling you have desires to go and be a, a horrible sinner, but just its heavy weight and just pulling you back into its system of the grind and your weak and all the stuff. And, the, and we have to just come back in. We have to, it doesn't mean you will not face those things. Paul faced them, okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you. You're not saying you're going to like ride in some... You know, everybody's like, let's just go to Hawaii and get away from... That's not what God wants. Paul was able to ride within their system, but not be in it. Remember, Peter and John, they said, listen, you can beat us, but we're not going to stop preaching the gospel. Because we have found a sustenance that is greater than our flesh. We have found a life in Christ that is greater than this human life. Amen. Who's thankful for God's word? Amen. I want you to grab your cup. And we just thank you, Lord, Jesus. And I'm going to read here. You know, Jesus took it even further. See, Jesus talked to Satan about the bread, and then Jesus talked to them in John 6. But, you know, both of them were skeptical. Both times he was actually talking to the skeptic and to really the critic, but in 
the, the communion story, Jesus brought it to its full revelation. Do you realize that communion is the full revelation of, of manna? That Jesus is the bread, the sustenance. and the... We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for, for you being that sacrificial lamb. You are the bread. We thank you, Lord, that every single day. Lord, we don't have to say, okay, I hope I can make it tomorrow because you're with me today. God, you are with us tomorrow and the next day. And God, we're going to be diligent to come and find you. Lord, you are right there. Lord, we don't have to go far. You're not leaving our side. Come and find you is just opening our eyes and looking to you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. The word says that as they were eating, Matthew 26, verse 26, he said, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, I could put, have some license here. God gave them manna. It was physical. And I'm going to show you something physical, but I want to teach you a, a greater lesson. That as you eat, remember that your spirit man is desperate, that my body is about to be broken. And I want you to eat this. But I want you to know that something is happening in the supernatural, something spiritual even though you're eating something physical, something spiritual is happening. Your body is connected with my body. And when God looks at my broken body on the cross and you eat of it in remembrance, Jesus said that God, we know it because we, uh, we don't have time, but God looks through Christ. He looks through that mercy seat and he sees you and I. And I thank you, Lord, that as we eat this, we identify, Lord, with your body. We join with your body on the cross. Your Bible, your word says we will join with you in suffering, but then we get to join with you in glory. We thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken for us, and we eat in remembrance of you. And then he says, he took the cup and he gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, now drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He took the cup and gave it to them and said, this is my blood. It's juice today. It was wine, but it's a symbol that something supernatural is happening. It's the world will never get it, but you are drinking this cup and my blood is washing you clean. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you for that reminder today. Your word says to do this in remembrance. Your word says to remember what you did. It's so easy, Lord, to remember and then forget. Remember and then forget. We go about our life and we take the reins again and we do it in our own strength. God, I just pray today, Lord, that every day, it may not be communion as a church, but that God, we would have communion with you. God, I pray every day that we would be washed under that blood, that we would remember, Lord, what you did for us, and it would give us a strength to do what you have us to do. Lord, that we would remember that your word, and it's been preserved throughout all these years, Lord, for us to read it, and as we eat of it, Lord God, I pray that our spirit man would be filled and sustained each day, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you have not 
just given us your word and given us your blood. But God, you have given us a promise that that would not just even put us into eternity. And Lord, we thank you for all those things, but that you are coming again. We thank you, Jesus, that you are coming in, in a physical form, Lord God, again to this earth to rescue this earth from its oppression. We just give you glory, Lord. We give you praise, Lord, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.